As we continue David's series, today is kind of unique uh, message. It's not from 1 Samuel to begin with. It is the text comes from Psalm 57. I'm really excited about this. In, in, in light of the whole series, as we're planning for the teaching calendar, and we thought about naming the series The Life of David. The reason why we didn't name the title, the series Life of David, because it has much more than external events of David's life, but we want to take a look at David's heart as a man after God's own heart. And then few things that uh, we will do uh, throughout this series is take a look at his personal journal. We get to peek into his private life and take a look at his prayer and song and uh, much of a uh, personable side and, and relatable, even though he lived in so long ago, beyond the events of David's life, the Psalms will give us a new insight and deeper uh, convictions in following the examples of David. But I want to give a little bit of background. If you are here last Sunday, last Sunday's message is actually the backdrop of today's psalm. Because if you, if you have a Bible, if you look at the superscription of 57, it will say, to the choir master, according to do not destroy, a miktam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. And nobody know really seriously knows what miktam is. And some people might think that it's a golden, or so uh, Charles Spurgeon thinks that it's a golden poem, one of the golden favorite kind of thing. But then yet some other uh, commentators are saying this could be just a musically technical term as a uh, worship leader of Israel that he wrote many psalms in that. Maskil is the same, another one as well. But we know that he wrote this, at least about his experience, in the cave. There are two caves in David's life. And one is Adullam, last Sunday, and the other one is one in En Gedi. En Gedi is a wilderness, and um, so, most likely one of those two. But uh, having studied on chapter 22 of verse Samuel, Cava and Adalim um, gives us a pretty much of a good view that he was fleeing away for his life. This is a dread, dreadful, a terrible event, a season of his life. He calls it in this psalm, the storms of destruction was passing through his life. 
So think about anything that you, you experience when your bottom falls apart, when your end of the rope. When you think that just you're one step away from death, that's the season of David's hardship that he's going through. It was also a stressful time for David. And as you know, the people who are socially rejected and people who are disgruntled, these people who uh, were outcasts in, in some sense, they all gather to David for his leadership, for hope for the better future that he became commander. Just imagine this. Maybe uh, you've seen some big caves, and this is obviously one of those gigantic caves, but 400 men living there and looking to your leadership, and you have to feed them. You have to be responsible for them. Oh, it's a, such a stressful time. It's not only staying alive, but staying, making all these people safe at the same time. So in light of all this, as I alluded to the importance of studying psalm, this psalm is a David song a prayer and journal that reveals David's secret of his confident faith in times of dreadful trouble. Have you read it? Or have you heard it when Jay was uh, doing the scripture reading? If you do not know the superscription of the psalm, the sounds, it sounds like a victory song. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed, O Lord. I will awake the dawn and I will give you praise and I'll give you thanks among all the peoples. All the peoples meaning other Gentile nations. From our point of view, we could say even unbelievers, among all believers, I will give you Praise and thanksgiving and worship. What was his secret? Once again, David is not old sage yet. He's in his still 20s. He, when he's 30, he's going to actually become crowned as a king of Judah. And uh, until King Saul dies in the battle. His relentless pursuit of David because of his just crazy jealousy takes all one whole decade. And David is continually on the run. Before I go into the secret, there are at least four that I observe here. I'm personally really drawn to David's psalm. Have you experienced this? You know, I, back in my college years, and nobody told me, read the Bible, anything like that, but I was going through just a tough time uh, trying to survive. 
at school and relationally, friendship-wise, even girlfriends, or just turmoils that happen. And I remember in the middle of the night, at one o'clock in the morning, I understood what David meant. My soul is dry to the bone, yearning after you. So there was a time that I was depressed and sad, and I looked through the page of Bible, and there will be a psalm, typically David, but other psalms also too, that connects with where I was emotionally. One psalm doesn't even mention about God's name. Save me, O God, from this water. And one psalm sounds like David's really mad. And he's just blatantly honest about his enemies that God will destroy them. And another psalm that he sounds like he's doubting. And that was the beginning of my new connection with God. Instead of blurting the words that that I was taught as a religious prayer, I learned to be real because of David. I still remember walking with Psalm 27 in my hand. There was no cell phone these days. Written down in my own hand and, and folding it and as I am meditating, not because I'm teaching anything. I was a kid, college kid, just desperate unto God. And I'll, I'll read to this Psalm 62 and going into one of the classrooms, a large lecture hall, engineering hall or something. So remember, I'm sitting down so waiting for God to connect with me. I didn't know what solitude and silence was. I didn't know what, was, what I was doing. I was just yearning for God. Some scholars will say the, the prophets, even Ezekiel, and God is speaking through prophet to us that they, are, they have become mouthpiece of God. In the New Testament, apostles are that way. God speaks through the apostles in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, through the prophets. But, Psalm is the only one we actually hear men relating to God. So that's so much of a relatability. And I want to strongly encourage you, just linger on Psalms as we talk about this. And one note, and I didn't have to try that much, as I'm looking for David's secret, the reference verses that came to me, and when I looked it up, David's Psalm. I decided to stick to David's Psalm. So I will quote quite a few reference, cross-reference Bible verses, and those psalms are all from David. So here's number one. 
single-minded trust. What I'll do is I think I'll give you a phrase and explain what that is. Single-minded trust is from verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. David took deliberately refuge in God alone in times of dreadful trouble. Be attentive to what David is saying. It is intentional. For, for instance, when we want to trust God, and when you're in trouble, oh, when we're desperate, and people try to help you and give you advice, what, what should I do? And you're open for any kind of help. And usually the quickest help comes from people, connection, people and position, people are knowledgeable, people are expert. And in these days, internet. When your kid gets sick, internet web MD gives you what to do. What the descriptions could be, what you're looking at. And sometimes we're more worrisome after knowing those facts, right? And let me ask you this. We learned that the word adalum means refuge. The Hebrew word adalum. Did David think this cave is his hiding place, his refuge? No, not according to this psalm. Did David think that there's someone else could be a deliverer and gives, gives him hope? It could be. There are people who are possible. These 400 men that came, you know, after all. But his pursuit of God as his refuge is deliberate, single-minded. So keep this in mind. When you're, when you're in the negative spirit situation next time, when people ask, how can I help you? And, and you are attentive. And before you go into prayer, before you go into really resolute mind to trust God, and you're drawn to others' help, Sometimes, those are effective. Quick results happens. But that's not the way of David's confident faith is. When things, circumstances fall apart, you fall apart, and I fall apart. In David's case, this young man had a single-minded focus. His heart cry. It's focused on God. And notice this repetition. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. The intent is 
obvious, isn't it? When your child is in danger or when your child is in pain, does he or she just calls, Mom, Dad, once? Non-stop until you come, isn't it? Be merciful to me. Be merciful to me, oh God. And this might be, I'm just picturing and imagining David in dark cave and with these 400 people and not knowing what to feed them next meal or next day, not knowing whether Saul's army will be around the corner or not. Be merciful to me, oh God. Be merciful to me. This is a Jesus prayer in the Old Testament. Tax collectors that Jesus teaching the people, his followers, have mercy on me, a sinner. That humble heart cry. And turning to two other Psalms of David, Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. David writes, For God alone my soul waits in silence. For God and good results. Happy ending, my soul waits. No. For God and some practical help from people, my soul waits. No. For God and some brilliant new idea to get out of this trouble, my soul waits. No. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken as a matter of fact, one of the commentators calls this psalm a lone psalm or only psalm because so many repetition of that God alone, he only, he only is repeated. Psalm 17, verse 8, David writes this time, keep me as the apple of your eye, most sensitive part of your body. Hide me in the shadow of of your wings. The shadow wings it has a the picture of uh, Exodus and tabernacle and the Holy of Holies and when the tabernacle was covered by this tent, the shadow from the dry dry land and the heat of the sun rays. You're protected by that. And more so, when, Jesus, when God was delivering the Israelites, he alluded to, through Moses, that God was acting like an eagle, carrying his youngins under his wing. The eagles do that. Jesus mentioning to the Jerusalem woman, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how, how long will I 
care, tend for you under my wings. There's a protection of that. And it is, as a warrior, it's a humble picture. That he's willing to be a little chick under the mighty wing of God. I don't know how many of you guys are, have gone through difficult times. The all human emotions are there. Hiding in a safe place is what I desire. And David was physically hiding in a cave, but he was actually spiritually, emotionally, wholeheartedly hiding in God. Wholehearted, single-minded trust. Did you grow up in church? I remember singing vaguely these old hymns written by Fanny Crosby, written in 1890. He hideth my soul. Oh, wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. Oh, wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depth of his love and covers me there with his hand. And covers me there with his hand. People of God, one of the greatest benefits as those who belong to Heavenly Father is hiding, being protected by his sovereign care. Certainly, as a college kid, I still remember in that classroom and in an alley, dark alley, in my loneliness, in my troublesome time, I felt his hand covering over me. Second secret is hope in trustworthy God. God has delivered David before, so he's regurgitating his past experiences, memories about God's deliverance. And then he hoped, focused and uh, hoped in trustworthiness of God's character and power. Verse 2, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame, shame him who tr tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Do you hear it? The unspoken things are like this. Externally, it's going crazy. I don't know what's going to happen. 
The threat is everywhere. Fear is, terror is everywhere. Lord, chaos. But when I focus you, I still remember that you have a powerful attributes. You're almighty God. Nothing's impossible to you. I've experienced your might, your power. Also, your steadfast love, unchanging, faithful love toward me has been always reliable. God, you are good, not just sometimes good, but always good. So even though all these dreadful tribulation is happening, calamities is happening, I hope in you. Not on circumstances. Today and tomorrow, it might not change a thing. But I hope in you. I get emotional when I think about this first. Actually, Psalm 39 first. If I had a time that I hit rock bottom, this is right after my dad passed away, especially because of with the guilt. I just felt hopeless, disappointed in myself. And do you know what I mean by, this is when I got closest to clinical depression. Do you know what I mean by there's nothing you look forward to each day when you get up? I felt like that every day. Oh, you know how I love food, right? So I look forward to mealtime every single day. I get excited, think about what am I going to eat, right? But during that time, nothing to look forward to. And this verse came, and now, oh Lord, For what do I wait? What am I looking forward to? There was a long pause. In my only one space in between two sentences. But sigh after sigh, I became silent before God. And I said it along with David, with a different newness of my heart. I really meant it. My hope is in you. My hope is in you. Is your hope in God? Not on one of the many options. All else fail, I still have God. I can hope in God. No, not in that sense that you don't have any other options because all those already failed on you. And even the past experience, you know that you're going to get just hyped up and you're going to let down even more deeper. Psalm 138. Listen to what David's saying here. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. A very similar sentence right there. Your steadfast love 
O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. When things are chaotic and hopeless, hope in God. Why? Because he is trustworthy. Because his character, his power is unchanging. Third secret is transparent confession. Okay, verse 4. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down in fi- and amid fiery beasts. The children of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords, they set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. David poured out his heart, telling God all his troubles, casting his burdens on him. We need to know know and learn the secret that the reason why we don't really trust God, our trust is not authentic, our worship is not authentic, is because the absence of reality of this pain and evil in our lives. What do we pray? Uh, Lord, uh, you know I, I had a hard time getting along with my neighbor. Please help me love that neighbor because I think you forgave others too. So learn to listen to David and transparent. These guys are just surrounding me like lions, vicious lions. And in the... In, in where David lived, the lions were really real threats. You could get teared apart by lions. And then even so, he says, alluded to, to fiery beasts, vicious beasts. And then King Saul's army has arrows and swords and other things also too. But he has this double meaning going on here. Their tongues are sharp swords. Their teeth are spears and arrows. What do you think that means? Not only they have arrows and something, but there are people who are slandering about David. Do you feel like this sometimes? When you feel misunderstood, you are just longing and dying for vindication from People and some kind of clarity, the truth will come out that you will be actually vindicated. And even even just within the family, when your child misunderstands you, when your spouse misunderstands you, he's pouring out his heart. 
He's depicting every trouble that he is going through. Don't get me wrong. I, I value counselors and therapies. But much of that need is actually we have access to God. And even more so to the brothers and sisters to be able to share transparently and vulnerably in our men's group and women's group. There has to be a safe place. And I appreciate some of our brothers who just continually share their vulnerable things. Let's be authentic. Let's become aware of the fact that this way, pathway of walking the real pain and naming the reality as it is, is actually a pathway to healing. All this prompted me to look over my journal, pastoral. It was too private. I cannot share anything. <laughs> but I will share. I still feel connected. Why is journaling is helpful? Because in my own mind, when I pray, I end up, my default mode is trying to be noble. And I don't describe my state of my heart. But on the pages, I wrote down some of the words like this. I feel like a man who are walking in the desert without water for several days. I was exhausted emotionally and spiritually dry. Where is water? And obviously I'm not looking for physical water. The knowing the condition of my heart helps me to go to God instead of go to TV or go to immediate relief about something. I think one of the beautiful things about David is all his triumphs and experiences of God's might and deliverance. He is still real. A broken man. He knew the secret of God's access to God. A broken, contrite heart you will not despise. He confesses. You want the truth in our most being. I am several, several different people. When, I am, when I'm on the, really doing well, I feel like I'm a spiritual giant. Speak like a spiritual giant, there's no doubt. But when I hit rock bottom, I'm scum. I despise myself. But David is saying, broken, contrite heart, you do not despise. Here I am. Just say this. I'm messed up. My heart doesn't work the way I would like to credit myself to be. I want to be noble, but in reality, I'm wicked. I'm selfish. 
according to other Psalms of David, he's very consistent. In Psalm 62, verse 8, trust him in at all times, old people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart before him. Another Psalm, Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. moved. Here's a fourth and last one. The phrase is fixed heart on praising God. David has his heart fixed on praising and giving thanks to God amidst his troubles. Verse 5. Be exalted, O God, above the the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. By the way, this is another thing that he repeats, but he repeats in the first part and the second part. And I skipped that first part. I'm reading it together in here. So it's not a, a mistake. Once again, the intent is obvious. This is his theme of his song, his prayer. In the middle of pain, and in the middle of just hiding out in a cave, his theme is glory to God. Be exalted, O God. And then he burst with confident faith. Verse 7, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. This time the redundancy, the repetition is to emphasize his resolve. And one of the commentators added, this shows David's steadiness, stableness of his uh, spiritual maturity. In some sense, well, he's saying this in the truth, that he's holding on to truth. I agree, but I disagree in another sense. Why? Because David falls down all the time. He gets up again. But something different about David is this fixed heart. It's not a stableness of his maturity. He's basically saying is, my trouble is still there. Around me, surrounding me. But I made up my mind. I made a resolve to praise you, to give you thanks before trouble ends, before you answer my prayer for deliverance. And he goes on, I will sing and make melody, awake my glory, awake my old harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. In verse 9, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples, among the Gentiles, among unbelievers too. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens. Your faithfulness is to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Do you hear it? 
This is secret. Of all the secrets, so even more so, we need to pay attention to in our generation where feelings are so important. What David is doing, I look at trustworthiness of God and my past experience of God's grace and deliverance. And I can trust him in our own uh, modern-day language. I could take it to the bank, put all my eggs on him. If so, I am not going to wait until feelings come and make me rejoiced, make me happy, make me worshipful, make me feel some warmth and fuzzy feelings to worship God. I am going to get up and awake the dawn. Make the sound loud enough the dawn is awaking because of my singing, my praises. And I'll get my instruments. Here is the a true sign of a worship leader. By worshiping him, all his followers prompted, led by David's example to praise him. Brothers and sisters, if you ask me right now the emotional state I am in these days, uh, moody, cranky, that's, that's the way that I feel. Because I'm still on a, that special diet. <laughs> so when I can't eat what I want to eat, and meal time is not satisfying, and, and then little things annoy me, Bug me. I'm waiting for some kind of a, a emotional breakthrough. Then I will go. No, I feel convicted. Today has to be the day that I'll declare my heart is fixed, oh God. I have a resolve before feelings. I'll praise you. I'll give you thanks. I'll even non Christians know, unbelievers know how great you are. The Easter Sunday is coming, not because we want to grow the church, but because this is really a joyous moment in my heart. I'll give you praise. Turning to other Psalms of David, Psalm 43, verse 4, Then I'll go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the liar, O God, my God. Just think about it. Is God means to an end, or is God your life purpose and goal? Is what God providing and can provide your ultimate want and desire in exceeding joy? Or is God your exceeding joy? Psalm 108, verse 1 to 2. He 
he repeats similar phrases. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. By the way, that's what he means by awake my glory. All my being. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. I want to do a quick recap and share our code. We looked at four secrets. One, single-minded trust. Let's apply. Do you have a single-minded trust in God when you face dreadful troubles? Number two, hope in trustworthy God. Do you hope in God who is trustworthy because of his character and power? Number three, transparent confession. Do you pour out your heart telling God all your troubles? Number four, fixed heart on praising God. Is your heart fixed on praising and giving thanks to God among all the peoples amidst your troubles? Charles Spurgeon has his expository notes. It was so good that I had to share. And it's, it's a collage of that. Uh, if you like to read the whole thing, let me know and I'll give you the source. Charles Spurgeon writes, Faith is never dumb. True faith is a crying faith. If you have a confidence in God of such a kind that you do not need to pray, get rid of it. For it is of no use to you. It is a false confidence. It is presumption. Only a crying faith will be a prevailing faith. I will cry unto God most high. The very height and sublimity of God is an attraction to faith. For though he is so high, he can and will scoop, stoop. Though God is so high, he can lift me up above the storm, for he is above it himself, and he can set me above it too. My tongue, the glory of my frame, be not silent, bestir yourself. I myself will awake early or I will awake the dawning. I will call the sun up to be shining. I will bid him awake to shine to the honor of my Lord. With the early spurs, I will make one more singer in the great concert hall of God. I will not need more rest or longer time to myself to consider all my troubles. I will give my best time the, very, the first hour of the day to the praise of my God. I will make the Gentiles hear it. They who know not the Lord shall be astonished when they hear me praising him, and they will ask, 
Who is this God of whom this man makes so much? My prayer for each one of us that we would be also bestirred. That our hearts will be fixed on praising him and giving thanks to him even before he answers prayer. Even before our troubles end. In pain or without pain. In good things or in bad things. The sovereign God who is always good, never changes. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much for this psalm. For David's example of his single-minded trust of his hope in trustworthy God, of his transparent confession, and his fixed eye on praising you. May we follow his heart and his example. We know that he would fall again and get himself up to praising and trusting you all over again. That in through that you are you were making him and molding him a man of God. And we ask that in this season and in this very comfort seeking Orange County, they would boldly ask you to not to even make us safe and and comfortable all the time but that our hearts will be fixed would be fixed on you and praising you even amidst our troubles because we want to follow you because we volunteer that kind of pain and suffering at times in obedience to your word And I pray that you will teach us to find you as our exceeding joy above all else. And to our non-Christian and unchurched friends, may they see, not only hear, our testimonies about you, how great you are. And to that end, we pray Our Easter gathering will be a celebration of your exalted name and your glory and power. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.